By the time Professor Richard Lovely found his way through Canton's narrow alleys to the faded address in his diary, the boy was the only one alive in the house. Babel by R.F. Wall. I read that. Welcome to I Read That. I'm Erin Sabin. And I'm Katie Gray. And this is the show where we pick a monthly genre and read books in the category, discussing everything in between two covers. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 32. 32. Can I just say welcome back? Yeah, we technically, this should technically be episode, is this 32? Did we do it right? Yeah. Did you take the numbers out? Yeah, so out? this should technically be the first episode of November, but we kind of didn't do November. We skipped yeah, it. Yeah, which is the first time we've ever skipped anything, so I think that's pretty good. I think so too, and I was I was a little worried because I didn't want, like I was worried that it would be like, um like set us off or anything but i think it was good for both of us to take a month off yeah right before the holidays too right yeah yeah so i i was just super busy with work and then i got a new computer and then my recording of what we did was gone right so like we had already recorded the first episode of november and when aaron went to edit it it was gone just gone like she just couldn't find it anywhere so here we are i was like she's I was busy, and I was like, let's just skip it. We're just going to skip that month. I have to tell you something. True. So the books for November were Red Rising and Golden Sun. Yeah. I DNF'd Golden Sun. What? (laughs) You left me to read it? (laughs) I DNF'd it. I'm so mad at you right now. I finished that sucker. I know. I know. know. Betrayal? I was going to... I was going to fake my way through it. I've been betrayed. I'm so offended. Sorry. I suffered through that book for you. I quit at the point where he was seeing his mom. That's like right at the end where it like everything picked up. I know. She leaves and everything happens. I read the summary. <laughs> like I read it. I kind of did. I read the synopsis. Oh my gosh. Couldn't get through it. My brother's going to be disappointed because it was his favorite book. It's his favorite series, and he's been really looking forward to our our Red Rising episodes to listen to them. So. And then we're just like, nope. But yeah, so that's not happening. Sorry, Bryce. Sorry. Sorry, Katie's bro. Not, yeah. not going to happen. Not happening. Well, it's kind of good it's not happening because we won't have to roast your favorite book on a podcast, but... I mean, yeah, sad that we didn't get to discuss it. But I think was... taking November off was good, and I'm happy that we're back in December. Because sometimes you take a break, and then you never go back to something. That was my worry. Yeah. But but I, the books you pick, we picked for November or for December, were the good books. Like these are good books. <laughs> I finished both of them, and I have thoughts about the second one. But the book we're about to discuss today. Is my number two book of the year. Number two book of the year. Dang. That's pretty impressive. I knew when I was about, I listened to this obviously, when I was about an hour into this book, I knew immediately that this book would devastate me. <laughs> and so I was like, this book's going to ruin me. Yep. Um, but why don't you give us a summary? Summary. Of the book. So. I'm going to give you a disclaimer. Oh, yeah, we should do that first. These are our... And this is... What? 
Let me just say this too. This is a new book. This just came out in August 2022. So there, the spoilers in this are pertinent. They're like legit still spoilers. They're fresh spoilers. They're not a yeah. book from ten years ago. I just realized I'm completely invisible. Yeah, I'm just I'm all. just watching your chin. <laughs> um, <laughs> disclaimer: These are our opinions. Our humor is dark. You like what you like. There will be a lot of spoilers. This book came out in August 2022, so watch out. Please read the show notes for trigger warnings for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you a summary. Yes, summary, please. 1828. Robin Swift, orphaned by Corina in Canton, is brought to London by a mysterious Professor Lovely. There he trains for years in Latin, Ancient Greek, and Chinese, all in preparation for the day he'll enroll in Oxford University, the prestigious prestigious Royal Institute of Translation, also known as Babel, or Babel, depending on who you are. Babel is the world center of translation, and more importantly, of silverworking, the art of manifesting the meaning lost in translation through enchanted silver bars to magical puzzles. Silverworking has made the British Empire unparalleled in power, and, and Babel's research in foreign languages serves the Empire's quest to colonize everything it encounters. Oxford, the city of dreaming spires, is f- a fairy tale for Robin, a utopia, dis- utopia dedicated to pursuit of knowledge, but knowledge serves power, and for Robin, a Chinese boy, Raised in Britain, serving Babel's means betraying his motherland. As his studies progress, Robin finds himself caught between Babel and the shadowy Hermes Society, an organization dedicated to sabotaging the silver working that supports the imperial expansion. When Britain pursues an unjust war with China over silver and opium, Robin must decide. Can power institutions be changed from within, or does revolution always require violence? What is he willing to sacrifice to bring Babel down? So yeah, that's the summary. I really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. It's already up for a couple of awards. That does not surprise me. Yep. Yeah, it was better. So this book was so good. This is a world I immediately wanted to Can't talk to about that in. yet. Author tidbits. Oh, I'm just saying it was such a good book. Don't throw me off. <laughs> I'm trying to keep her on track. Take a month break and this is what happens. Chaos. Never works. Chaos. Never works. Also, I'm so sorry. My cats are fighting. <laughs> and so there's a lot of noise. I can't do anything. They're either going to meow or they're going to fight. Okay? Oh, there they go. Oh, you can see them now. <sighs> what you're hearing mostly is the tail whipping sound. And they're fat hitting the ground. <laughs> they're very fat cats. <laughs> so did you get a lot of author tidbits? I got a few. Um, Why don't you go first? Okay, so... She immigrated to the United States from China when she was four years old with her parents. Her love of history began in high school, where she joined the debate. She cool. began to write the Poppy War at 19 in China during her gap year after high school. While she was in China, she also worked as a debate coach. The Poppy War was published in 2018 at the age of 22. She then wrote the two follow-up no- novels in the series in 2019 and 2020. And I currently own the series, but I haven't started reading it yet. She attended the University of Cambridge, where she gained a Master in Philosophy in Chinese Studies. She then attended Oxford University the following year, receiving a Master of Science degree in Contemporary Chinese Studies. She then returned to the United States in 2020 and began studying at Yale to get a PhD in East Asian Languages and Literature. 
most of my tidbits are about her like success and her education, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Is that all you have? Yeah. She's definitely like well-traveled, very academic. Um, so I also wrote that she, you know, moved to the U.S. from China when she was little. She's always been bilingual. And in the book, the main character starts to lose some of his original language his native language and so this is an experience that she had when she was young Chinese was her she spoke Chinese primarily and then as she grew she would speak more English and she noticed that she lost Chinese as English took over that's interesting so that experience that Robin had is one that she had herself um, she wrote this book during the start of the pandemic and so she said it was a challenge to do it in isolation and it made it really difficult for her to be happy with her work mm. But she just persisted, like, despite that, and she's really happy with the result. Um, if she's an, if she's an academic, she's probably used to collaborative settings, because a lot of what you do in, in those settings is collaborative. So um, writing, this is interesting, is not her career of choice. Hmm. She did not set out to be an author. Instead, she really wants to study uh, Chinese literature and be in that whole academic research realm. And she actually postponed her doctorate in 2020 to write full-time and found it really, really lonely and depressing. <laughs> That's fair. And so she knows that eventually she's going to have to slow down to kind of split her career, and she'll have to release things sparingly in order to guarantee that there's quality to them rather than pushing something out every single year, like she has since 2019. was first yeah, 2018. published. This I thought was interesting, too. She does not read for escapism. Instead, she reads to learn something Hmm. and to be like impacted by books. So she writes stories that leave a lasting impression in the same sort of way. She doesn't set out to write about dark subjects, but she often finds that the subjects that interest her just automatically have dark things in them. Um, For example, like academia and the prejudices that are inside of all of that, the history of Great Britain and all of the colonial, like colonial Great Britain stuff and all how awful that was to marginalize people how they marginalize people I guess you could say um and all that so that's kind of what I got about her she I really enjoyed reading her interviews she did not strike me as pretentious like some of the other authors who are widely um traveled and educated did Mm. like I think she has a lot of yeah so that's what I got about RF Kuang she's very interesting she is and I think that um in a humble way she reminds me a little bit of my friend Alex. You know Alex. But like yeah. um like knows a lot about a lot of things and so she says a lot of things that you might think are like at first it might come off as a little bit like okay, are you flexing? But really that's just kind of who she is and she can't help it. That's fair. Uh but yeah, I just realized I didn't do ratings for this book. Why are you, why are you even here? <laughs> I'm going to do it on the fly. I'm going to do it on the fly. Our ratings are out of 15 points, so five points for each category. The categories are characters, the book's pace, and world building slash storytelling. What did you give this book? 14 out of 15. 14 out of 15, okay. Okay. Can I guess which one is like a four instead of a five? Yeah. I think it's going to be pace. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. So I give it a 12. <laughs> you only give it a 12? I give it a 12. But I have Aaron, I have reasons. This is like a, this is a middle of the road book for you? Yeah, kind of. Oh my god. I don't know if we can be friends. I don't know if we can be friends. I have reasons. They're not good ones. I, I have I have written a well-crafted defense, because I knew I would have to. 
I don't know what's rattling, but it's driving me fucking mad. It's my cat. He's cleaning himself and hitting the freaking blinds. Well, stop. Julio, <laughs> get down. Get down. Get down. It's an earthquake. Get down. <laughs> he won't get down. Get down, Julio. Get down. Get down. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Look <laughs> at my thing and it's so loud. I'm so excited <laughs> to edit this. Leave it in. Leave that in. It's the stuff that I dream about <laughs> at night. <laughs> leave it in. You have reasons for your twelve, and I don't. I don't. I'm not going to accept them. I have a well-crafted. I spent. I got up at early this morning to craft my defense, because I knew I would need one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I knew I would need one. What did you give I don't characters? Even know. Five. Okay. Why did you give it a five? Because I loved the characters. That's it. And this. That's your defense. You know, it's funny. So I was reading it and like, <laughs> Aaron, you're testing me. <laughs> I test you every day. So I was reading the book and I was like, oh, this is so interesting about the dynamics between colonial Britain and the you know East India Trading Company and all these things. Like this is so interesting. And then I read an interview with her, and she said like the book is not about like those all things are like the backdrop. But what's really important in the book is the relationships. And, like, that's what I really liked about the book, was the relationships and seeing how it all changed. And, like, I am devastated. Like, I want her to write a book about Griffin. Like, I want that book now. And I want – I would totally read a book that was just about Rami. And I would totally read a book that was just about Letty. And I would absolutely read a book that was just about Victoire. Like, I would read a book that was just about each of these characters. And I even liked um, Professor Lovell. Like, I thought he was even interesting. And, yeah, like, I didn't think there was a single character that I was like, this character's a throwaway. Like, even at the end when they're, like, siege, they, like the tower's been sieged, you know, and they're, like, stuck in there. And um, there's just these side characters that really came out of nowhere and are in, like, these, like, now they're a part of things. I was like, these guys are interesting, too, like. So I just thought that the characters were really good. There was there was a purpose to everybody in the book. Yeah, exactly. So I also gave it a five. Okay. The characters were the saving grace for me in this book. I liked the diversity as well as the different personalities and how the personalities changed as the book progressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoyed the character. Yeah, the characters are definitely like who Robin was at the start of the book and who he is at the end of the book are not the same character. Who was your favorite character? Can I guess your favorite character? It's pretty easy, I think. I think your favorite was Griffin. Yeah. Um, and as I was reading it, I was like, oh, Aaron's going to love this dude. <laughs> like, she's going to love him. The dude that, <laughs> like, he never hates, shows up. He hates everybody. He never shows up. He, like, ditches people for months and months at a time. And then he shows up ragged um, and broken, and he's like, fuck off. When he, yeah, when he does show up, he's, like, he's like half dead, and he's like, I'm fine. Don't look at me. It's um, my favorite. <laughs> Aaron's favorite type of character. Yep. Um, but I think that my favorite for a long time was was Robin. But by the end of the book, Victoire was so much more influential in this book than I thought. She was like the sleeper through the whole book. And then they got to the end and it was like, I identified with her so much when he was saying, like, do you want to stay? You can go, Victoire. You can go. And when she chose to leave, I was like, oh. Like, it was just really... I like her. That's fair. My second favorite char- character was Remy. Yeah, Rami. Yeah. Rami. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty funny. 
And I I really liked the dynamic between Rami as an Indian man and and Robin as a white passing Chinese guy. Yeah. And the differences that they experienced um, in the prejudice. Yeah. Um, was I think that was a smart move. And he could pass as white and get yeah, more privilege. Yeah, he was white passing. Yeah. Sorry, my cats are. What else is new? Why did you give it for pace? <laughs> Four. Four. Okay. This is where you docked a point. I knew yeah, it. it I it knew, it. knew it. I gave it you a three. Knew it. You knew it. I did think I could, I think it was a little slow sometimes, but I also liked that sometimes we were swept through years. Like I liked sometimes that it was just like, and then we studied and we were together and we were a family and we had this bond and blah 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 blah. blah. And then the next term started. Like I I liked that about it because I didn't feel like I felt like the world around it was built up enough that. I wasn't missing anything. I was worried at the start of this book that it would be like, okay, this is year one, year two, year three, boring, 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 boring. Yeah. But it didn't do that, which I really liked. But as somebody who likes, but as somebody who likes to read till the chapter ends, it felt like the chapters went on forever and they were very dense. Yeah, it was a very dense book. And I know you read to the end of chapters. I think that's a you problem. <laughs> well, sometimes I would struggle to like get through them and like, or I'd have to like stop and like consider what I had read, like not as like trying to understand it, but trying to like absorb it. Can I tell you, I think that's an aspect of the genre. Yeah, I know that, but I just felt, I guess I was looking for something. <laughs> I, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to give it a five. I gave it a three. It was just too, okay. like it was dense, but it was a good dense. But for me at this point in time in my life, it was too dense. Yeah. If that yeah, makes sense. This is not yeah, a yeah. light book that you can go into and read it in a day. No, it certainly is not. And it's a, I think it's a book worth pondering. Yes. But if you're not in a place to ponder things, maybe don't read it. I think you have to go into it with the expectation and the knowledge that it's going to be a book that is going to take you a little bit longer if you're going to get out of it what the author put into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what she put into it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. But the pace for me was just a little bit. Sometimes it got too slow. Sometimes it went too fast. So. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you give it for world building? I gave it five. Okay. I, I, you gave it a four, right? Yeah. Can I say why I think you gave it a four? Okay. I think you docked it because there was not more information on that rebel group. No. Because you wanted to know more about the rebel group. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to you hear why I gave it a four? Yeah, go ahead. I liked how it was set in the past but dealt with modern issues such as privilege, racism, and so much more. I felt the author did it very tactfully. I like how she dealt with the colonialism and the question of you advance but at whose expense. Yes, that was so good. But I was really disappointed at the end of the book when Robin basically committed suicide with the rest of the tower. Um, mm -hmm. And Victoire. It's French, yeah. Uh, see, I didn't listen to the book, so I didn't get the pronunciations. So Victoire left with Griffin's letter, and she opened it and read it, and it was like a list of names saying that we aren't the only ones, mm -hmm. which was impactful, but not as impactful as I wanted it to be. If that makes sense, like yeah. I wanted Robin yeah. to read that, and it was like kind of a big thing. Like this letter, he said that he would read it later, and then like it never came up again until the very end yeah. when she was running away. 
so that's why that's part of the reason and then in my edition of Babel um there was little um asterisks footnotes yeah footnotes. and symbols and footnotes and the symbols were so small that I would be reading it and pass over them and miss them so at the end I'd have to go back through the page and find them find the sentence that it was linked to reread the sentence then read the footnotes to get the full experience and it took me completely out of the story and I think that's why it took me so long to finish. Okay. Yeah. So So in the in the audiobook when it hits a footnote, it reads it in a different voice. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. See, this had like little stars and then little like dagger symbols and you had to like go and find them and then find the footnotes. Yeah. And then yeah. if you're reading, they were so small that my eyes would just pass over them. Right. Maybe it's because I need glasses. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> So that's why I gave it a fall. I really liked it. Like I, the way that the magic worked is so cool. I really liked the way the magic worked and the word pairs. And I think I love this book so much too. This is because you're studying Greek. The chapter. I'm studying Greek. I'm learning a language right now. Did I say that to you already? I already know that. Well, so no, no, no. Not you know that I'm learning Greek, but I already did. I already tell you that like I was reading it, and they would say things like talking about declensions and talk, talking about like. Uh, all those different verb forms and I knew those words and I recognized them and I know what it is to have to go through declension charts and recognize the way words work and in Greek a verb can have up to 12 different ways it's written 12 different forms and those 12 different forms will tell you the function of the sentence the subject of the sentence the subject of the verb in the sentence the function of the subject and the function of the verb depending on how the verb starts and how the verb ends. And so it's just really complicated. It's a really complicated language and I'm learning it. And it was so cool to be able to read this book about languages. It was, it was, I read it at the right time. I think it's yeah. really what it comes down to. I just read it at the perfect time in my life. And yeah, I knew I loved the, the world. I loved that it was so rich and I just felt like, I hate historical fiction. I know that. But this did not feel like I was forced to uh, read into things that were separated from reality or Mm. like current time. Does that make sense? Yeah. This book was set in the past, but it dealt with current issues. Yeah. Well, because the current issues have always been issues, really. So um, it was really good. It was good. I liked it a lot. Because you, when you first, when I first picked this book, you're like, oh my God, the audiobook's like 24 hours. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. And I was like, we can pick another book. And you're like, no, no, it's fine. You want to pick this book? I'll read it. I'm glad that you read it. It was great. And I'm really glad I read it. And I would totally love a paper copy, like a a paper copy of this book for my bookshelf. Um, And that's why I want to start doing that. Like the books that get maybe over. 12 or 13 get physical copies of them for my shelf because those are the books that I would reread like I would probably re-listen to this yeah oh and the other thing the audiobook is one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to really the the accents the guy that read this is so good the accents he used for everybody were so good like Rami had an accent Victoire had an accent um Robin did not have an accent because he was raised by that English nanny right um and all of the languages were spoken like accurately because were there Chinese characters in the book? Yep. 
Yeah, so those Chinese characters were pronounced in the oh, wow. in the audiobook. And so and the reader is I don't know if he's Chinese, but I know he's Asian. I imagine he's probably Chinese if he's reading Robin Swift. Like I don't think the author would pick a different uh a different race. But it was really good and his pronunciations were so good and his accents were so good. I almost thought he was an older gentleman when I started reading it. And I looked the guy up and he's like this young guy in his 30s. And I'm like, your voice is so talented. That's awesome. So it was really good. And then the next book we read, the audiobook has six different readers. So that'll be fun to talk about. Wow. So favorite quotes. Oh, let me ask you this before we go to quotes. Will you read this book again? Yes. I will too. I think I might listen to it next time. It's a great listen. Mm. It's a really good listen. Yeah, I think I might listen to it next time. Or I'm definitely going to buy a paperback version when it comes out. And then I think I'll read that in the future and not read my special edition again. Because mm-hmm. it's a hardcover yeah. and it's cumbersome. And You were saying you were worried you were going to mess it up. Yeah. All right. So this was hard to for me. pick your favorite quote. There were so many good quotes in this book. Mm-hmm. So many good quotes. Do you want to guess? I'm going to guess How yours. How about I guess yours? I'm going to guess yours. Okay, okay, go. Okay. I can't remember what part of this book this is from. It's from, I think, the front of the book? The, it's a big book. The front of the book? It was during one of their lectures. Okay. So, betrayal. Translation means doing violence upon the origin. Means warping and distorting it for foreign, unintended ears. So then where does that leave us? How can we conclude except by acknowledging that an act of translation is then necessarily always an act of betrayal? That's not my favorite quote. But my favorite quote is from that lecture. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was really good. And this whole lecture stuck, struck me as such an interesting dialogue between all these characters who like will one day vocationally translate. So my favorite quote is, that's just what translation is, I think. That's all speaking is, listening to the other and trying to see past your own biases to glimpse what they're trying to say, showing yourself to the world and hoping someone else understands. Yeah, that was a good that was a good part of the book. Yeah, it was good. I actually really enjoyed every time they were like in a classroom. I thought that what came up was always really interesting. Because it had meaning. It wasn't just fluff. Yeah. And that's what I respect yeah. about this book, is that it didn't waste my time. So my favorite, are you going to guess mine? Let me guess yours. Let me guess yours. Okay. So your favorite quote is a quote that a character said. Okay. And I chose, nice comes from the Latin word for stupid, said Griffin. We don't want to be nice. I do love him. (laughs) Mine is actually from the end of the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's surprising. When they were in the tower at the end. Yeah. And they're trying to defend it. So good. Now I want to re-listen to it. I'm going to make you guys listen to it on our road trip. <laughs> instead of my Spotify playlist. <laughs> instead, of our, instead of that Spotify playlist. But I've added songs to it since. But anyway, what's your favorite quote? Okay. She turned back towards him. Her eyes were wet. Only it builds up, doesn't it? It doesn't just disappear. And one day you start prodding at what you've suppressed. And it's a massive black rot. And it's endless horrifying and you can't look away. 
That, is that Victoire speaking? Uh, no, I think it was one of the teachers that had watched. Is that the teacher that stayed? Yeah, the teacher that had stayed and she had she had caused the death of a young boy in a factory. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of her match pairs. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good book. Yeah. Did you get any extra quotes that you loved? I could have picked a ton, but I refrained. Okay. Otherwise, we would be here for like 15 minutes, just me reading quotes out of this book. Just read the whole book. Tell us. Ugh. I would. This is going to be a book you think about for a long time, eh? Yes, it is. Which isn't a bad thing. No, it's a good thing. And honestly, the thing that I think about most is uh, probably Rami and and Robin's first day together. Mm. That very first day when they met each other and they just spent the whole day together exploring Oxford. And like, and then Robin. <laughs> I think I'm choked up. Did this book make <laughs> you cry? cry? Yeah, it did. <laughs> And then Robin, like, reliving that at the end of his life. Don't look at me. Oh, I'm going to stare at you until you cry now. <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm going to cry. There's, it's a really good There There's so much death in this book. So much death. Were you um, Were you surprised when Griffin died? No. I Honestly, this the deaths in this book, I didn't even... There's no reaction. I was sad when Griffin died. I was like, that's such a bummer. Like, I was more sad when... Uh, Rami Rami died then like Griffin was kind of like he kind of felt like one of those characters that you knew something was going to happen that's true I just kind of hoped that there would be more that's the one thing I wanted was like more from Griffin and the society what was the, what was the group he was with? Hermes the Hermes, Hermes society. society Um. yeah I wish that there had been more with that but uh, she definitely finished the book with a notion of it continues. Yeah. Like this revolution will continue. I don't think there's going to be a sequel to this. No. Like this book is done. But um, yeah, there was the notion that the Hermes Society would continue. Yeah. Even though they were kind of like cowardly and like. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Tropes. So tropes. Did you get any? I got zero tropes. Awesome. The reason I got zero tropes is because I didn't want to do them. And also because I thought this book was too good. Too good for tropes? And also I read it a really long time ago and I can't remember. <laughs> so I have four. Okay, give me your four. You always get really good ones. Death of a parent for storyline. His mom died. Yep. Found family. Oh, that's a really good one. Foreshadowing. During the first part of this book, it's like... And they're all happy together, and they no, did not know that the death, oh, yes. like the awfulness, was coming. I was yes, like, it was. I actually rolled my eyes at that. Really, <laughs> was well, in a the coffee whole shop. time through the whole book, it was almost like they were re someone was telling the story from the end of it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, one bed, because they would travel and stuff, and there was only like one bed, and they had to decide who was sleeping in it. <laughs> yeah, but there was no <laughs> spice and no romance in this book at all. No. No, but <laughs> there was the one bed trope, so I added it. Okay, that's true, that's true. Once again, true. Aaron is carrying the load of this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm a busy, important person, and I, I'm just lucky I'm here. Shocker, I am not. <laughs> that's not true. You are a very important person. If you like this, what the fuck should you read? Okay, I actually picked a book that was recommended by the author. Oh, okay. 
It's called The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Okay. Under the influence of their charismatic classics professor, a group of clever eccentric misfits at an at an wow eccentric misfits at an elite New England college discover a way of thinking and living that is a world away from the humdrum existence of their contemporaries. But when they go beyond the boundaries of normal morality, they slip gradually from obsession to corruption and betrayal, and at last, inexorably, inexorably into evil. I think I'm going to read this. I own it. You do? Mm -hmm. You own every book. I do. (laughs) Every book ever. So I think I'm going to listen to this. I think this might be my next listen. Mm, While I'm waiting for our our January pick. Because um, I do have a lot of work to do. And I think Dark Academia is a genre I will continue to read. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Are you going to read the second Atlas Six instead? Oh, yeah, I gotta read that too. Because that's already out. I know. Oh, damn. So, I also saw that the author recommended The Secret History, but I picked a backup book. Just in case. Did you recommend Secret History too? So, I picked Secret History and I also picked The Ninth House by Leah DeBard. DeBargo? I almost picked that for our podcast book. I own it and I really want to read it. But I've been, like, putting it off because the second book wasn't out yet. And I didn't want to... Because her writing just pulls me in so much that I didn't want to fall in love with it and then have to wait forever for the second book. And the second book comes out next year. Anyways, so Ninth House by Leo Bardo. Galaxy Alex Stern is the most unlikely member of Yale's freshman class. Raised in Los Angeles, Hitherlands by a hippie mom. Alex dropped out of school early into a world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead-end jobs, and much, much worse. By age 20, in fact, she was the sole survivor of a horrific, unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but at at her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the world's most elite universities on a full ride. What's the catch and why her? Still searching for answers to this herself, Alex arrives in New Haven tasked by her mysterious benefactor with with wandering the activities of Yale's secret societies. These eight windowless tombs are well known to be haunts of future rich and powerful, from high-ranking politicians to Wall Street and Hollywood's big players. But their occult activities are revealed to be more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination might conceive. Ooh. It does sound good. It does sound good. Yeah, this is definitely a genre I think I would continue to read. Yeah. Didn't you start yeah. another one of the books and then you're like, no, and then you went to Atlas Six? Yes, I did. I started the book still on my Audible, so I can still listen to it. If We Were Villains? If We Were Villains. And I just couldn't get into it. Um, it's about a bunch of actors, Shakespearean actors specifically, um, and I just couldn't get into it. Hmm. I just had a hard time in listening to it. Maybe it would be different reading it. In listening to it, I had a hard time differentiating who was who and what the relationships were between everybody. And in the book's defense, I was warned that that was go- would be difficult, that you would have a hard time keeping everything straight. So... That's a known, uh, like, speed bump to that book. Mm. But 
I, it wasn't a bad book. The writing wasn't bad, and it wasn't uninteresting. It just was hard for me to keep everything straight, so it was hard for me to continue to listen. And so maybe that's why I did better with Atlas Six, written the way it is. Maybe you've started it. Yeah, you started that right. Yeah. And each chapter is from a different character's perspective, so it's easier to keep everything straight. It's true. Um, but yeah, I maybe I'll read the ninth house. I'm gonna get as long of a TBR as you as you have. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But maybe we'll have to do another month of Dark Academia in the New Year. We definitely should. Yeah. After we do westerns. 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 Not westerns. <laughs> you switch the E and the R around. Westerns. Western. Westerns. Western. <laughs> Fucking Americans. Okay. <laughs> Why do you say western? Westerns. Where's the R? Can you spell it's it? It's hiding. Westerns. Where, no, no. Where's the R in the in the word? It's not my fault I say things differently. Western. <laughs> Western. I'm going to have to get Ashley to say it when we're there. Yes, I'm going to make her say Western. Westerns. I'm going to ask her, like, what's the genre of movie and book about, like, cowboys and outlaws and they're, like, horse wranglers? And what is that genre again? I can't remember, Ashley. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Poor warrant. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to I Read That Episode 32. Wait, you didn't tell people where they can find us. I don't care. (laughs) They can find us if they want to. (laughs) Just search. I love. Yeah, pretty much. Bye!